Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 welcome. That means I have four guests today. This is Tech Rev. That's how we familiarly and finally call this show. I have such a great topic for you today. We've been talking past couple of weeks, months, talking about thriller novels, mystery novels, crime novels. We all love them. As if the world isn't thrilling and mysterious enough right now, we still like to read fiction. So I have invited back Eddie Vincent. I'll give my opening monologue in a second, but Eddie Vincent, the owner of Encircle Publications, and he has graciously invited three female thriller novelists, and we're going to get to know them. So now let me do my formal introduction. Here's buzz quote number one. Listen up, everyone. Nobody brings the creepy better than women, mystery, and thriller writers. There, we said it. The literary world has always been a bit of a good old boys club. But since Anna Catherine Green, the mother of the detective novel, published the Leavenworth case in 1878, I don't think it's in your library anymore, right up to the Gone Girl frenzy, we know what that is, women writers have excelled in the genre. That's a quote from Bustle.com, and the author of the article was Erin Enders. I have one more quote from Ashley Johnson on SheReads.com. She says, women's murder tales have always been at least a little more psychologically acute than the guys. Ooh, that kind of scathes there. <laughs> I just want to tell you the first modern detective story is considered to be the murder in the Rue, murders plural. Ooh, there was more than one in the Rue Morgue by Edward Edgar Allan Poe, published in 1841 in Graham's Magazine, no relative to mine. The first mystery novel was Wilkie Collins' The Woman in White, 1859, The Moonstone. And The Woman in White is still a set the standard for the detective novel formula. So let me just level set for my audience. What is a crime novel, mystery, and thriller? Let's, let's see if my panelists, uh, panelists agree. Crime novels focus on a criminal who must be apprehended. Oh, we got to get Cheche La Femme, find the guy. There you go. Mystery novel. So focus on the question of who committed a particular crime. That's a real whodunit, right? And thriller novels focus on suspense, dread, and the fear of a future crime. So we have publisher Eddie Vincent. Eddie, wave to the audience. Everybody knows who Eddie is, but you know, with names today, we need to know, especially the names of this panel. And BJ Magnani. BJ, I hope I said your last name right. Am I good? Yes, we're good. Thank you very much. And we have S. Lee Manning, S. Lee. She does have a real girl's first name, but we're not using it because her author name is S. Period Lee. Very sophisticated. And we have Leslie Wheeler. Leslie, wave hello to everybody. There we go. What a great panel. So we're going to talk about the future of women thriller novelists who done it. And we're not talking about specifically the future of the people on my panel. We know they all have a long, bright future, but we're talking about the <laughs> It dawned on me. Where are you going tomorrow? But it's as I told my panel before the show. I have no sense of humor. It's going to be terrible. Uh, so what we're talking about is the genre of female thriller novelists. What what's the future? We're talking in an era here of self publishing, of publishers like Eddie Vincent and In Circle Publications, who help people self publish, who also publishes books. And those of you who are watching on LinkedIn and Facebook, you can see the titles, the covers of the books we're going to be talking about today. We have uh, we. We have uh, Leslie Wheeler's Rattlesnake Hill, which I have. Thank you, Leslie. We have The Queen of All Pausons by B.J. Magnani. Thank you, B.J. And we have Nerve Attack by S. Lee Manning. And I made the mistake of reading a little bit of all of your books before I went to sleep at one o'clock this morning, and I didn't sleep very well. They unnerved me. There you go, ladies. They should be a health warning on the... Eddie, there should be a health warning on the books. Don't read after midnight if you're very sleepy because you will have really weird dreams. Okay, so let's get the party started. Eddie Vincent, there might be two people in the whole world who don't remember who you are. You're on the show so often. Shame <laughs> on them. But just in case, Eddie, talk to those two people and tell them, remind them who you are, what you do. Eddie Vincent, welcome back. Thank you, Bonnie. Uh, <clears throat> I'm Eddie Vincent. Uh, I am the publisher of Encircle Publications and a graphic designer for ENC Graphic Service, which I also own. Uh, my, my background is in graphics. Uh, I kind of fell into this publishing world about six years ago, and it's been a rocket ride 
from day one. Uh, before that, though, I was in the newspaper business back in the day, um, and I grew up on Cape Cod, and that's pretty much where I came from. Thank you, Eddie. And Cape Cod is where a lot of mystery novels take place, I understand. So is the, the moor, and it's the, the fog coming in, and the long beaches, right, Eddie? And people who are there temporarily makes for good settings. Eddie, do you find a lot of novels yes. centered on Cape Cod? Yeah, there are a ton of novels and, and some really New York Times bestseller um, novels coming out of Cape Cod and Martha's Vineyard. So a lot of really good stuff happening down there. Did you all just hear him say Martha's Vineyard? You I heard it, right? <laughs> Eddie, you just gave it away. Martha's Vineyard. Okay. okay. We have, haven't heard that, that accent since the Kennedy era. Well, that's because I, I lived a quarter of a mile from a beach where I was able to look at Martha's Vineyard every day. <laughs> Lucky you. Lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie Wheeler, you're up next. Leslie, we're so happy to have you and meet you. Would you I'm going to put you on full speaker view. Leslie, would you please introduce yourself? Who are you? What do you do? What did you do before you started writing wonderful novels? Leslie, welcome. Thank you, Bonnie. Um, before I started writing novels, I... Always, um, af after a brief period in uh, elementary school, when I wanted to be a ballerina, but that did not work out. So ever since I've wanted to be a writer, I uh, got my start in, um, I was a teacher for a while, worked at an adult training center, and uh, then for an educational publisher, and I got my start. Uh, in nonfiction uh, for the educational publisher, Barron's Educational Series, I uh, wrote a campaign biography of Jimmy Carter, Jimmy Who, which uh, came out during the campaign. Um, it was very exciting. Uh, it was high pressure, had to do it in six weeks. I took a little longer. And then um, uh, my next nonfiction book, was more of a labor and love. It was a book that I chose to do rather than being commissioned by my publisher. And that was a biography in letters of the 19th century feminist, Lucy Stone and her husband, Henry Brown Blackwell. And the book's called Loving Warriors. And um, that uh, book did win an award. Uh, the English Speaking Union has something that's called um, uh, a, an ambassador of American life and culture. And I that book won that award. And so ever afterward, I've been able to uh, describe myself as an award winning author. I now write uh, mystery novels. Uh, I have two series, um, the Miranda Lewis Mysteries um, and um, the uh, Berkshire Hilltown Mysteries. And the two books you see um, in the background are belong to that uh, series in a number of um, publications. And um, I'm a member of Sisters in Crime, uh, Mystery Writers of America. And um, I have been an editor at Level S Books, pub publishing the um, Best New England Crime Stories, and um, also am an editor now at um, a new small press, Crime Spell Books, which publishes the Best New England Crime Stories. Thank you, Leslie. That is a remarkable background. I'm very impressed. I especially like that you wanted to be a ballerina. I think that's going to resonate. Well, that's okay. But we all had our, I, I, God, I'm going to get hit for this one. Our little girl dreams. Many of us did. I don't remember. Yeah. What did I, I wanted to be a psychologist. I have a degree in psychology, but now I'm just trying to figure myself out. And that's about as far <laughs> as it went. So what can I tell you? Thank you, Leslie. It's a pleasure to get to know you. Really, truly interesting background. And, and that's part of what I want to do is introduce the genre, the women in this genre of novels, uh, as, as real people. Who are you? How did you get here? What led you to do this kind of writing? Who are you? What do you know? How do you roll, basically? Let's go on to BJ. BJ, welcome officially, and please take a couple minutes and tell us who you are and what's your background, what's your story? Thanks, Bonnie. Thanks for inviting me. Um, 
I have kind of a unique background in the sense that this is now my fourth career. So let me back up and say where I am in my third career before I transition. So I am currently the chair of the toxicology committee for the College of American Pathologists, which looks at uh, drug testing in the country and worldwide. I'm also the former chair of the Department of Pathology and Laboratory Medicine at Tufts University School of Medicine. And um, currently, as I said, I'm now writing novels. I've taken my toxicology background and I've created this series, the Lily Robinson series. Now, when I say this is my fourth career, well, after I graduated college, I was a high school teacher and I taught science and I also taught science in college. Uh, then I decided to go back and get a couple of graduate degrees, which I did, and I became a scientist and I worked as a scientist studying toxins. I had this real love for poisons and toxins and it was perfect. Uh, just being able to look at different animals that created these toxins and how they could be used. And then I said, you know what? I think I'm going to go to medical school. So then I went back to medical school and I became a pathologist. So I now have the opportunity to use all the things I've learned and craft medical novels and that's what I really love doing. So as I said, this is my fourth career. And who knows, there may be another one after this. We'll see how it goes. But the Lily Robinson series, she's a pathologist, she's a toxicologist, and she works not only in an academic medical center, but she helps the government shoot down terrorists using poison, and that's her thing. So that's me. Well, BJ, another very impressive background. Uh, you have, I think, many more careers ahead of you. I, I hesitate to say where they might be. I don't know, maybe astronaut will be something you could go go do that. But the book is interesting. I, that's another book. Everybody don't read that at one in the morning if you're really sleepy because the idea of poisons and this this very educated, very beautiful Lily Robinson is is on call, on tap to use her poisons to assassinate enemies of the government, enemies of the state. And it's her being unnerved and then not unnerved as part of the the charm, I'll say, BJ. I don't know if that's the right word, of who she is because she's having these, God, am I really doing this? Did I really say yes the first time? Is it easier? Is it not easier? Just an interesting concept. But they say, write what you know, and obviously you do. And it's a quite an interesting view into toxicology, pathology, into poisons, uh, the uses, the the packets that go into somebody's coffee, and and the rubber gloves that change the packets before the police get there after the guy dropped dead in the coffee shop. I'm not giving away any secrets here. BJ, thank you. I, I started reading it, and I will finish it, but just not at one in the morning. Thank you very much, S. Lee Manning. Now, S. Lee and I met on the show, pre-show, pre before anybody else joined. She was beyond prompt. She was 15 minutes early. <laughs> and, and I said, am I calling you S? Am I calling you S. Lee? Am I calling you Slee? And she told me Slee is her poker name. So, but we're calling her S. Lee. S. Lee Manning, I am so happy to have you here. I would love for you to do us the honor of introducing yourself to our audience. Please can't wait to meet you. S. Lee, you're up. Go. Okay, well, I'm thrilled to be here. Um, so, a bit about my background. I started out actually as an editor and writer for something called Law Enforcement Communications, living in Manhattan in about 1980 on 10000 a year. I realized that lawyers made a lot more money, and so I decided to go to law school. Became an uh, uh, attorney. My legal career spanned from a top-tier New York law firm called Cravats, Wayne & Moore, to being a public defender, to being my own, uh, to having my own mm -hmm. practice. Um, I also was chair of New Jerseyans for Alternatives to the Death Penalty and did the first draft mm -hmm. of legislation that abolished the death penalty in New Jersey in 2007. Um, but uh, at some point after my second daughter was born, I decided mm -hmm. to step back from the law and because it's uh, an all consuming profession and then I started writing again. Uh, my first book will never come out of the closet but um, <laughs> eventually 
<laughs> I am now writing international thrillers. Um, I uh, I uh, wrote my first novel, Trojan Horse, 15 years ago. It took 15 years to come to light and many, many rewritings. Um, it's a book about revenge and loyalty, betrayal and love. And I have, I believe, the one and only Russian Jewish immigrant uh, to the United States as a protagonist of an American spy novel. Um, and he is, the, his story continues in Nerve Attack, which is coming out next September. Again, continuing the questions of, of loyalty and love, um, betrayal and um, revenge, which we'll get into my quote eventually. When I'm not writing the, uh, these days, I am living in Vermont with my husband. My kids are grown. And um, I, when I'm not trying to kill people or torturing people in my books, I write comedy and perform stand-up for, uh, I was a semi-finalist in uh, Vermont's uh, Funniest Comic in 2019. Oh, and I do want to say, by the way, speaking of awards, Trojan Horse was recently named uh, the Phoenix, won the Phoenix Award for 2020 um, um, New Voice uh, in a action thriller from Cops Federing International and was also a finalist in the uh, National Indie Excellence Awards. Impressive, um, impressive, 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 impressive. I didn't know that you did stand-up. I have a background in stand-up as well, Esley. And I had a troupe. <laughs> I had a troupe on Long Island called get this, Bonnie G and Du Bois, B-O-Y. <laughs> and we performed in Borders bookstores and in public libraries. And in the Borders stores, they paid us in gift certificates and a little cash. I took the cash and I gave the gift certificates to my comedians who joined me. And they were thrilled because they got to go shopping and buy books or records or magazines, whatever they want in, in Borders. But we were banned. I won't use that B word again. A bookstore with a famous name that starts with a B. Uh, we, we were banned because one of my comedians once, we packed a place on, I think it was a Memorial Day weekend. We packed a cafe with 250 people who came there not to buy coffee and cake, but they came to listen to the comedy show. I had 10 comedians with me then, men and women, and we packed the place and they got so mad at me that they blackballed us and told other boarders not to invite us because we, we were just too popular. So anyway, there are other reasons I can't say on the show. Thank you all. I, I am so impressed. And, and by the way, I, I have a radio show on Monday nights called Read My Lips, Cool Conversations with Creatives. And I just had uh, three women writers on. Only one was a novelist, one was memoir, and one was a how-to about cybersecurity. But I invited them to come on this show in a couple of months to talk about STEM women, where's the creativity? And I know there is a big debate. If you Google it, a woman with a math or a science background, uh, any kind of a, a serious degree, shall we say, can she be creative? And the answer is hell yes. And there are articles that have been written about this. So I'm tempted to in invite the three of you to join that panel if you want to come back. We'll talk about that another time. But this is the part of the show. Eddie, Eddie, you have outdone yourself today. These are... These are great authors. Stellar. Every single one are going to be best New, New York best-selling authors at some time. And I, I love the backgrounds, the fact that you started doing something and you're taking what you know or what you didn't, you did wanted to know, and you're turning it into novels and entertaining the rest of us. So let's go to the part of the show where my guests have sent me quotes from a movie, a TV show, or a song. And the quotes have absolutely nothing to do with the topic until they tell us how. So Eddie Vincent is quoting Buzz Lightyear, played by Tim Allen in Toy Story, 1995 American computer animated comedy film. And the quote is iconic, Eddie to infinity and beyond. I think that's what my show should be called. Technology revolution to infinity and beyond. We're going to rename the show. Eddie, talk to me. How did you pick this quote? Take about two minutes because I want to get to predictions. Take about two minutes and tell us how'd you pick it and what does it have to do with our topic today? Eddie Vincent, go. Well, for me, when I was picking that quote, I was trying to figure out what would best represent what's going on with women writers in today. And I think right now it's, it's just unlimited success that can be happening 
for these mystery thriller writers. Um, so I just applied it to the fact that you can just go on and on and on. That That's kind of where I was thinking when I was came up with that. Thank you. I love that. I love the optimism and the fact that you're helping so many people get their books published. So bravo to you, Eddie. Let's go to Leslie Wheeler's quote. The quote is from Rick Blaine, paid, played by the iconic Humphrey Bogart, to Captain Louis Renault, or Louis Renault, played by Claude Rains from Casablanca, 1942 American romantic drama film. If you haven't seen it, if you haven't heard of it, shame on you. Go find a copy somewhere. It was quite iconic. And here is the quote. I'm going to use the French pronunciation Leslie. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Leslie, how'd you pick this beautiful quote? Talk to me. I chose the quote because I've always liked it. And I love the movie Casablanca that it came from. Also, a female writer, a mystery writer, said this to me uh, after we'd met and uh, discovered how much uh, we have in common. However, uh, uh, if this quote were to be used by a woman thriller novelist today, I think it would go something like this. Louise, this could have been the beginning of a beautiful friendship, but now that's not going to happen because Louise does turn Rick in after falsely accusing him of a crime. <laughs> Leslie, that was beautiful, Louise, and she does turn him in. Thank you. And there's a whole different kind of a, a crime thriller. Thank you very much, Leslie. Wonderful quote. Let's go on to BJ. BJ has sent us a quote. We've got some old movies here. Some young people in old movies, Margot Channing, played by the also iconic Betty Davis in All About Eve, a 1950 American drama film written and directed by Joseph L. Mankiewicz and produced by Daryl F. Zanuck. That's iconic enough. Based on the 1946 short story, The Wisdom of Eve by Mary Orr, even though she wasn't given credit. By the way, All About Eve is the only film in Oscar history, BJ, I don't know if you know this, to receive four female acting nominations, Betty Davis and Ann Baxter as Best Actress. Celeste Holm and Thelma Ritter as Best Supporting Actress. And here is the quote. Fasten your seatbelt. It's going to be a bumpy night. I love it. BJ, talk to me. This is great. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I love that quote, Bonnie. And, you know, I use it at work sometimes when things are going to get rough. You never know what they're going to throw at you. Uh, but uh, I like to also use it when I'm reading a book, and it's a book that's going to shake things up. It might be a kind of a rough and tumble kind of book. And if I'm doing a review, I might let the audience know, fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Wait till you get into this book and read about these characters. The other way, if we want to tie it back to the movie, is think about all the sharks that are out there and all the competition. You are, there is a lot of competition in writing, and it's really tough to get ahead. So this could apply to all of the writers, but particularly the women writers. It's sort of like, watch out, you know, because there's something else that could be coming up and bumping you out of your spot. So fasten your seatbelts. It is going to be a bumpy night. Thank you. And I will tell you, I have a series of shows called Game Changers Radio, which are about uh, business strategies, new technologies for big software companies. And what's interesting is that my closing on that show, BJ, has always been fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. And then I thank my guests. So and, and during the pandemic, my closing was fasten your seatbelt. I don't know about you, but my car is getting three months to the gallon. And that was <laughs> anyway. Okay, we're moving on here. S. Lee Manning, we have a wonderful quote for you from The Princess Bride, 1987, not quite so far back in movie history as the others, American fantasy adventure comedy. And uh, it was actually film directed and co-produced by Rob Reiner and had a very stellar cast. Here is the, I don't know what the accent is, but I'm just going to do it in a masculine voice. Okay, S. Lee. Mm -hmm. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. 
you killed my father, prepare to die. Talk to me about your quote. We love it. Um, well, I love the quote too. And frankly, I use it every time I get a, a spam call from some guy in India who wants to sell me something uh, <laughs> and asks my name. And I say, hello, my name is Anigo Matoya. You kill my father, prepare to die. And then I get very quickly a hang up. Um, <laughs> but more seriously, it's because it's not only because it's funny, because it's, 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 it's about the theme of revenge. And I think revenge is a very big, one of the big themes in it's a, uh, thrillers, and it's a very big theme in Nerve Attack. Oh, no. You're Am here. I on? Yeah, yeah, you're on. You're still on. Go ahead. Okay. Keep talking. You're good. I'll let you know. Everything's frozen. But, um, and the question really is, is it worth it? Um in in Princess Bride, it's fun. It's a funny novel, and it goes on. But actually, the the guy who says the line spent his whole life seeking revenge, and then what? It, he doesn't know what he's going to do afterwards. So, I, I think it's a good thing to think about revenge and the uh, after effects of it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I have a quick, quick question for all of you before we go to predictions. This is to uh, Leslie and Esley and BJ. Are you a pantser or a plotter? I think you, you're all familiar with that. Leslie, are you a pantser or a plotter? Do you plot out your books in advance? Do you have every chapter outlined and ready to go? Or do you, uh, do you uh, just sit down and do it by the seat of your pants? Leslie, what's your method? Definitely seat of my pants, although I prefer to call it the discovery method, which means I am discovering the story as I'm writing it. And uh, it, it, it creates some problems for me in that if some fantastic character shows up towards the end of the book and convinces me that he absolutely has have to do a certain amount of backfilling getting him into the story earlier. Uh, the advantage of it, from my standpoint, is I um, have that, that I experience the same thrill that I hope readers are uh, experiencing as they're reading my books. Because, um, you know, I don't know what's going to happen next. Uh, I, I like and, that. And so it's it's never boring. I'm afraid that if I did know, if everything was laid out in an outline beforehand, I would be bored when it came to writing my books. I have never heard that approach before. Thank you. BJ, what about you? A pantser or a plotter? I have to say my approach is almost exactly like Leslie's. I have an idea where I'd like things to go. Yeah but I consider myself an organic writer. So the story just comes from within. And like Leslie, I'm surprised sometimes by what happens. It's like I didn't see that coming. And hopefully you as a reader didn't see that coming either. So Leslie, I'm exactly where you are. I like to sort of just see where it goes. Where does the story take me? And you're right, sometimes you have to go back and plug in things that you, you might have missed, but it's more fun that way. It's not so uh, cut and dry. Yeah. I have never heard writers say that before. I, I know Panzer and Plotter, but I've never heard anybody say it's more fun if you don't know. S. Lee, you want to unmute, dear? What, what's your experience? Panzer or Plotter? I think you're a hybrid. Go ahead. I'm a hybrid, really. I, I tend to write out, um, I, I have a notebook where I write out what I think is going to happen in the, and I usually, um, you know, I, I write sometimes uh, 10 to 20 pages of the, about the book and then I start writing it. And then my, you know, my characters sort of will stand up and say, uh, uh, I'm not doing that. And, you know, you have to listen to them and you have to, you sort of, so I will wind up going on a different direction than I thought I was, but then I'll, I will often sit down, then sit down and say, okay, if we're going this way, where are we going? And it's, I have very complicated plots and fairly long books. Um, uh, there is espionage thrillers. And I think I, I once tried to write a book without doing any outline and I just sort of painted myself into a corner and then just sat there for about a year until I could uh, sit down and do an outline and get myself out of it. 
Thank you very much. Thank you all. I appreciate that. Let's move on to the predictions part of the show. I'm putting into the chat whoever is next and what prediction I picked. So, Eddie Vincent, let's go with you. Let's look at prediction number two. You say marketing thrillers and mysteries for women writers will become harder as more women writers turn to writing this very popular genre. Does that mean it's rush hour and it's in, crowded in the, in the express lane and that it's hard to get in there? Eddie, talk to me. Uh, well, to answer your question, yes, it, okay. it, is, it is exactly that. Um, I, I see that this genre is starting to explode and that the, the, uh, the women authors who are with small presses like ours uh, are having a hard time finding their audience because there are so many uh, big four publisher. The big four publishers are finding new voices that are women writers, and they just dominate the marketplace with their books because they have the backing to be able to do it. But I think that authors like you that are here today are given opportunities with small presses and it's just a matter of putting it out there. And there is a lot of, uh, a lot of people trying to get their voices heard. A lot of women writers trying to get their voices heard. And it's just a ton. I do believe that more and more writers who maybe came from other genres like romance and things like that have see the trend and are going towards this trend. Thank you very, very much. Let's go to, let's see who I've got next. I've got Leslie and Leslie, I'm picking up prediction. Let me go to full gallery view. We can see everybody. Leslie, I'm picking up prediction number three for you. Women thriller authors will create more subgenres within the thriller umbrella, such as domestic thrillers. Leslie Wheeler, talk to me. Okay. Well, uh, I... Uh, subgenres within the thriller umbrella. Um, when I started out, I wrote Co Cozy Traditional. That was in the 1990s. Uh, gradually, my book, my uh, story, well, actually, it was my short stories that became darker because I could not solve a mystery in. Uh, 5,000 words, so I wrote suspense, and that suspense, that darkness of suspense uh, wound up in my books, and which I thought of as suspense, more suspense than uh, mystery. And I've, I'm very happy uh, that recently the subgenre of domestic uh, thrillers was created because now I can say that's what I'm writing, domestic thrillers. And be before that, I mean, you did have other, um, before that, I frankly thought that thrillers had to be international. I thought of them as James Bond type books and movies with uh, this um, evil villain who lives on some remote island with piranha in his pond. And um, I thought, well, I wasn't going to be writing that. So I was very happy to discover romantic suspense. Um, and there are other categories that have developed. We have, well, besides international thrillers, uh, domestic suspense. We have legal thrillers. Uh, we have medical thrillers, which mm -hmm. uh, BJ, you writing. They also in the background uh, reading that I did in preparation for this panel. Uh, I discovered the subgenre of suburban thriller, which apparently Gone Girl belongs to, where that book belongs. Um, so why not urban thrillers, rural thrillers, or to break it down even more, New York thrillers, Los Angeles thrillers. <laughs> 
Thank you very much, Leslie. I want to move on. I think you're, you, I think you think you're still talking, but you're frozen again. So I'm going to move on. BJ, I'm looking at your prediction number two. You say women, everybody listen up, it's important. Women thriller writers will incorporate more romantic attachments in their novels, not just sexual conquests. Oh, go ahead, BJ. Why do you say this? <laughs> okay, so listen, Bonnie, it's not that women can't have sexual con- uh, conquests uh, uh, like they do in the James Bond novels, for example. But I think you'll find that when you read my book, um, you're going to find some scenes in there that are very intimate between um, the two partners in this agency. And I do think that women can bring a lot more of the romantic, a lot more of the uh, attachments, serial, um, serious kinds of relationships uh, with characters in the books. So again, my protagonist, you know, while she is an assassin, she does have a very strong uh, affinity and love affair with this man and they are bound together. I don't know if you realize this, but danger creates and generates these hormones in your body, okay, that stimulate you. And it's the same thing that sort of revs you up for romance. So you take your date on a roller coaster ride and they're thrilled, you might get lucky that night because that just generates a lot more excitement. And so I think the danger that my characters experience help thrust them together in this very uh, explicit love affair. That's my take. I think we need to get you and Esley on the same stage for stand-up comedy, and I'll even come and back you up. We can do <laughs> three. I think that would be hysterical. Thank you very much. Esley, I have invoked your name. We're looking at prediction number one. You say, we will see more diversity in protagonists, detectives, and heroes of thrillers and mystery based on race, on ethnicity, on gender status. But that diversity will be subtle, not making a big deal out of the fact that there is diversity. I'm going to stop there and let you finish the thought. Go ahead. Well, I... I, I'm, I'm hoping that's the way our society is, is going, is that you will have, you will have uh, gay characters, you will have, as in my, my book, Russian Jewish characters, you will have cup, um, Asian characters, but you're not going to, it's not going to be so, oh, look, we have an Asian character. It's not going to be a big deal. It's just going to be, um, they're just going to be people, which is the way we should move in the way we should move in our society too. I mean, I, I actually am trying to do a little bit of that in my in nerve attack. I have a Russian Jewish protagonist. I have two black characters who you have to read carefully to realize they're black. And, uh, one woman who, one of a woman who was married to another woman and it's just mentioned. It's not, it's not a big deal. It's just, oh, my wife does this. And I think that's the way the future's going to go. Thank you very much. I'm looking at the next prediction. Let's go back to, let's see who we got. We, Eddie, we're starting round two of predictions. And I have picked prediction number three for you. In case my viewers are wondering why I hesitated, I'm sending the guests each sent me four predictions. I'm picking one from each of them, but not necessarily in the order in which they sent them. And I'm putting it into the chat or private message so they know where we're going next. So I was I was delayed by a, a nanosecond. I apologize. Eddie Vincent, prediction number three on the social media platform, TikTok, book talk. Oh, that's interesting. Book talk, B-O-O-K-T-O-K. Women writers will become a driving force in selling books. Let's talk about social. Go ahead, Eddie, talk. Um, so with that prediction, it, it really falls to what I actually see going on now. It's, it's not necessarily a prediction as it is happening. Uh, TikTok is the women writers, the influencers are more women than men. I'm finding more women on TikTok with the book reviews, the book influencers. So I just see that expanding. I, they just have a way of doing it. And it's also younger women that are doing it. You know, the 20 year olds, the 30 year olds, and they're finding followers. I mean, 85,000 followers and things like that. Uh, it's incredible how TikTok has taken over. Uh, and I'm trying to actually reach out to these influencers. I'd love to get a couple of influencers to help us sell our books. 
You know, uh, I have a TikTok account, but it doesn't get that type of influence. Well, I think you've got three people on the panel here, if they're willing and able and want to take the time, who could be really good ambassadors and evangelists for that, Eddie. So that's another conversation. We might have to do a show on thriller novelists and promotions. Interesting. How do you reach your audience who is not aware of you? Because the field is crowded. Let's go to Leslie Wheeler. Prediction number two, you say women thriller writers may eventually equal, if not surpass, women cozy traditional writers as women authors become more comfortable writing darker stories and more readers are willing to follow them into darker places. Leslie Wheeler, you're up. Okay. Well, um, in answering this question, I think we have to look at uh, what women Okay, we got to freeze again. Real romance. Okay, keep um, going. One important aspect, I, I believe, is psychological depth. And interest in others through inner as well as physical acts of violence. That's why I re- read women writers, because it's not just, they're not just the sh- the, these shoot 'em ups their women authors look into the reasons uh, people mm-hmm. uh, behave. Uh, you know, and you, you will find that in some male authors and also in some of the better crazy traditional authors. But I think it's more prevalent among women thriller writers. Uh, women are also more likely to demolish someone with a cutting remark rather than an actual knife. I think they're also masters of misdirection through unreliable narrators. And to quote uh, one author who's written about female writers, he says, or she, I forget, um, nobody does the creepy better than uh, women mystery thriller writers. I can attest to this. I try to do it in my own books. Um, And recently I read one of the creepiest stories uh, was a submission to uh, the Al Blanchard Award uh, short crime fiction contest by a woman. And it begins with these lines. I was four when I first killed a person. Sure, there are people who might want to call it an accident, but I knew what I was doing. I wanted it to happen. Wow. Yeah, that's what I said (laughs) when I read that. That's unnerving. Leslie, thank you. You're freezing again. I'm going to move on because we want to have time for a couple of more predictions. Leslie, thank you. I'm going to move on. Uh, You freeze a little bit when you're talking, but we got the gist. And thank you. That was actually brilliant. And the comment about women being creepy writers, that was in my opening, in my monologue. That That was a quote. So yes, I thought it was really bring on the creepy get a female writer. Uh, Let's go to BJ and BJ. I'm looking at prediction number three. This is interesting. You say women thriller writers will create strong female leads that will transfer to the big screen. It's about time. BJ, talk to me. (laughs) Yeah. What I mean by that, Bonnie, is that a lot of the sort of thriller women, strong women that you see uh, in some of the movies are caricatures or cartoon characters with superpowers. Um, You know, these are women who are not real women. And I think we as mystery writers are writing about real women, uh, whether they're the protagonists or the antagonists. And I think they're all strong women. And so I think you're gonna start seeing these real women transfer to the screen. There'll be movies, um, again, a complicated character and sort of playing off what Leslie said. Uh, my character, Lily Robinson, she struggles between the Hippocratic Oath, saving people by day, and yet she has this job working for the government and that struggle, that psychological torture of her doing what she thinks will save the country and yet 
as a physician, she knows she's supposed to heal and take care of people. There's a lot of psychological struggle there. There's a lot of strength, yep. controversy. And I think it would be great to start to see, you know, films that use women, real women who uh, have these kinds of struggles. Thank you. And, and BJ, if we look at, I, I'm a fan of British detective TV shows. I'm watching MI5 slash Spooks. And there were, uh, the, uh, something about the unforgotten, Nicola Walker is in so many shows and she's, she's a brilliant actress. But you're starting to see more female leads on the detective teams and you're yes. starting to see them with or without personal backgrounds and what do they struggle with. Uh, Esley, I have your prediction coming up, but I have a question for BJ first. How do you pick the name of Lily Robinson. How did, did you go through a baby book of what's the most popular name from, I don't know, uh, 1998? And, and then Robinson was, hello, Mrs. Robinson. How'd you get the name? Now, interestingly enough, in 2008, I was approached by the editor-in-chief of a scientific journal called Clinical Chemistry. And he asked me to create a series, an educational series that would have a fictional character and then have the character poison someone and then leave clues. And then the readership would have to write in and figure out what happened. He said, you know, something like a Mrs. Robinson thing. So I said, oh, Lily Robinson. So that's how she sort of got her name and her start. Uh, we published in that journal for over a year. I did it anonymously and then flew out to California where it was unveiled. And again, during that year, most of the uh, clinical chemists and toxicologists in the country tried to figure out who was behind Lily Robinson. And they guessed because I also wear stilettos. <laughs> did, did you see Bridgerton? They tried to figure out who was right. Bridgerton, the yes, uh, miniseries. Yes. yes. And I understand that the gentleman who was the heartthrob is not coming back for season two. How dare he get another acting job? Agreed. Somewhere? Thank you. How dare. And I was right on the Mrs. Robinson thing. Let's go to Esley Manning. I'm looking at prediction number two. This is an interesting one. You say it is going to stop being surprising that women write tough, good thrillers, spy thrillers, action thrillers that create violence. When will it stop being a surprise? Esley, talk to me. Well, I hope it will be soon. So I want to give you a little background, though, on this. Um, one of the reasons I am Esley Manning, instead of using my actual feminine name, is that I old when I was first writing, started writing a spy thriller, that men would not buy a spy thriller with a written by a woman. Then when I actually I wrote my first book, the one that's now run, won two prizes, and I was trying to get a publisher, I uh, was talking to a publisher for one of the big five, who, you know, said, well, it's a good story, but no one's going to buy a spy thriller from a woman. Why don't you change the uh, gender of your main character, who is Kolya Petrov, is a man. Make him, make him a woman. Call it romantic suspense. And I said um, something that I can't say on this show, <laughs> thanks to the FTC. Yes. And um, uh, I also, after I got my first contract uh, to be published, I approached a reviewer who was very reluctant and said, I uh, don't know if I want to review it because women just can't write tough spy thrillers. I helped start a uh, website called Rogue Women Writers with several other women who also wrote spy thrillers and were trying to publicize that women can write uh, tough spy thrillers. I'm no longer on it, but it's the, the it's and it's expanded to women who write all sorts of thrillers at this point. But. Um, my book is actually the, my Trojan horse, I've actually had men say, I don't know if I can read this because of the level of violence. Um, um, there, are, there are explicit, uh, to, uh, trigger warning, there are explicit torture scenes in mm. Trojan horse. And but it's there's a point to the violence, of course, that um, I'm trying to bring out, which is sort of another story. But I'm, I'm the idea that um, because I'm a woman, I couldn't write this kind of thing and couldn't write a really mm -hmm. tough, good book. Mm -hmm. It has been a problem. And I think we're starting to see, uh, we're going to see that evaporate. 
Thank you. Very interesting. Wasn't aware of it, but I'm not surprised that men wouldn't read it. First of all, they don't expect violence. Second of all, if it has a woman protagonist, third of all, if it's written by a female writer. Very interesting. Thank you for the reality check. I have a quick question around the table and then one more prediction from Eddie and we'll wrap up. The question is, how many hours a day do you write if you write every day? Leslie Wheeler, what's your, just a real fast answer. How many hours a day? I would say uh, two hours, but I don't write every day. It depends. Thank you. BJ, what about you? Um, I write when I can. I might write through the night into the next day or then not for a week. S. Lee. I'm more of an obsessive writer that when I get um, that I, when I get going, I can't stop. Um, and then, but then if I, something breaks, you know, breaks the chain and I get away from it for a while, I have to get back into it. Interesting. I, I wrote three romantic comedy plays that I produced for my TV show in New York several years ago. And I, I got a forum on the internet for how do you write a play? How do you, what, what type do you use it? How do you indent and how do you set up the scenes? And I think I wrote the first one in three nights from one o'clock till four or five in the morning on work nights. And it just, Leslie, it just poured out of me. It was the characters. It was, what did they say? Who were they? What did they look like? After I wrote the background, I just, the characters talk to me. I didn't talk to them. I knew their personalities. They told me, this is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to act. And it just came out. It was shocking and amazing as a first-time writer of, of fiction. And the second and the third plays were the same. It was it was actually interesting. And I've had people read the plays in a comedy reading shop, workshop I did. And I heard somebody read the lines of my play. And I actually enjoyed what I had written. And I said, what? I wrote that. Are you kidding? <laughs> and, and it was a thrill to know that I had written something that I actually enjoyed at, as an audience. Quick final comment here, Eddie, and then we're going to say thank you to everyone. Eddie's prediction, this is good for everybody. Eddie says, independent publishers and small presses will continue to find fresh new voices with first-time women authors. Eddie, I'm giving you 60 seconds, and then we're going to wrap. Go ahead. Well, what I mean by that is that we're – we look for new voices where the big publishers don't, and we have the ability to change on the on the fly. So when we find a new voice, we can give them the platform quicker than the big, the big four, big five. Thank, thank you very much. I think we have a part two coming up sometime at the end of the summer. If you'd all like to come back, I'd love to have you. There's so much to talk about. Yes, yes, yes. And I'll talk to the three ladies about being on my other show or or not. We'll do another one, part two on that one with the three of you. That would be great. So I want to thank everybody. We have one minute to go. Thank you to Aaron Keller, my engineer extraordinaire. He started out at 26 when he met me two years ago. He's now 68. We've agreed on the age. Yes, Aaron, you go through the paces with my shows. Thank you, dear. I want to thank Eddie Vincent. Hands together, ladies, for Eddie. Eddie, you have brought me a brilliant panel today. Brilliant and interesting and savvy and charming and enigmatic and engaging. And I am so appreciative. Eddie, you're a hero for me today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thanking all of you for being here. Thank you too. Leslie Wheeler, so impressive. BJ Magnani, equally yeah. impressive. Esley Manning, I, I can't say enough about the backgrounds. I'm so impressed by who you are as people and as writers. And my closing words are, if somebody comes to you and says, ah, the future's already here. I want you all raise your, your little index finger, everybody raise your finger and you say to them, no, no, no. Come on, BJ, raise that finger. No, no, no. That was yesterday's future. Today's future hasn't happened yet. And we're all going to make it a better one or a more thrilling one. Everybody wave goodbye. Bye, LinkedIn. Bye, Facebook. Bye, Voice America. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. Oh